Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. Welcome to season three of Best in SaaS, where we talk through patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 100 million in ARR and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Season three is brought to you by Chargebee. Chargebee helps SaaS businesses of all sizes maximize the growth potential and revenue with a leading global subscription management platform that delivers fast time to value plus exceptional service and support. Learn more at chargebee.com. All right, we're back for another episode, this time with Paramita Paracharya. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited. Uh, hey, I'm excited too. I mean, you were you were not that long ago listed as uh, one of the top 50 women leaders in SaaS, which is no small feat. I would I would love to maybe start with that. Like what um you were certainly listed amongst some amazing other women, other leaders in in SaaS. Um what was your journey to that point? Well, first of all, I have to say I'm really, you know, I'm both surprised, humbled and thrilled when that came out. It um when the nominations were done, I realized they had nominated me and you know sometimes you don't think about those things but um yes uh it, it was definitely a good high point um my journey i you know has been sort of from the world of brand to the world of digital to the world of you know demand and to the world of saas and e-commerce so i would say in many ways my journey sort of almost, you know, when I hear the word full stack marketer, it's like unknowingly and unwittingly, I think I've sort of been on that journey and had roles and played roles in sort of different um, capacities and different ways and different uh, manner. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I have felt about my journey has been sort of this range of companies, the range of scale, largely bigger companies, but then, you know, a lot of work I've done within this larger Fortune 500 companies that I've been with have been around, you know, both scale and emerging businesses. And so sort of that big company, small company mindset and capabilities is something that I sort of feel has sort of brought me strength into my journey. Does that answer your question, Elias? It does. Yeah. And, and then it brings up another one for me, which is, you know, you were a leader at Adobe in, in their global corporate marketing org, and then a, the global head of marketing at Nokia. 
before now moving to Blurb and, you know, as their CMO and Blurb, of course, is it's, it's fair to say it's a smaller organization mm-hmm. than either mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. What, what led you to make that shift to a smaller organization? And, yeah. and maybe we can even unpack, like, what have been some things that you expected to be different? Mm-hmm. And maybe some things that you didn't expect to be different that were. Yeah, I think, you know, I've always wanted to sort of stretch my capabilities. I'm someone who builds things into my arsenal. I really think about that as a toolkit. And the two things that really appealed to me about Blurb was, A, it was a smaller company and very much a different scale. So I knew that would be a challenge. And the other thing is, you know, there was a there was a comfort level in the audiences. So our Blurb audience, the 50% is consumers and 50% is creative professionals. And those creative professionals is an audience I had known from Adobe in the past. Um, you know, very much spent a lot of time, understood that uh, segment audience. There was a, a proposed m a on the table. I had been part of m as in the bigger companies, but never, you know, from a close quarters executive team member. And I thought between the small company stretch, capacity building, challenges, um, you know, the comfort of having a segment audience that I really know well and sort of straddling both consumer and professionals and then the MA, you know, would, would add something to my journey. So that was sort of my um my um goal for coming in. I will say that Blurb has a very strong brand presence in that little niche market. So if you were going to look at, you know, some of our competitors or some of the ecosystem players within, you know, books and book software and production and publishing and printing, um, it has a very, very strong customer base. And that was attractive, you know, I mean, I certainly did a little bit of homework around that. So here I was. Amazing. So, uh, you know, inherently the marketing challenges of an organization of blurb size and the marketing challenges at the Adobe or Nokia level are maybe fundamentally similar, but tactically quite, mm-hmm. quite different, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, what has that been like and, and what has been top of mind for you as you've taken on this new leadership role? Yeah. So I think everywhere, you know, irrespective of big or a small company, you sort of do more with less. I think that's all marketing leaders I've got to believe and I know are doing that. But that scale of doing more with less is significantly different if I were going to compare one of my past companies with Blurb. And I think that's where you sort of get super entrepreneurial. Um, you, you know, it's, it's cliche to say you think out of the box, but what you think is how do you, you know, do certain things. And you really look at your go-to-market um, and your marketing machinery in a very specific targeted way. So, you know, part of the game plan in bigger companies is that you will do certain things um, that are sort of peripherally air cover and, um, you know, uh, adjacent to the core that you're doing. And I would say in a company like Blurb, I am really focused on doing a lot more of that core. And I don't always have the luxury of doing that air cover you know, doing things that are extended to the to to outside the core, which means I'm really focused a lot on revenue. But you know, that discipline and rigor also has its own sort of play. 
um, an advantage of, you know, having your mindset be that much revenue oriented, um, making sure that, you know, your ROI significantly stretched. Um, and then, you know, a lot of this means you have to run a very well-oiled team uh, and function and tactics. And, you know, that again sort of gives, you know, teaches you a little bit more of, you know, how to bring a lot of things together um, that you may have done differently in the past. So those are some of the things that I think are, are probably hallmarks of, you know, in, in, in a smaller company. Absolutely. And, and I'd love to dive into the specifics on how how have you approached building your team and, and what what were some of the decisions behind prioritizing certain hires and the timing of other hires over one another? Yeah. At, you know, at, so I think my biggest focus right now has been, and I think it will evolve as we grow, uh, there's certainly growth plans, is to really address the customer life cycle. And within that, I would say, you know, our business is strongly a strong base of customer loyalty and therefore retention plays a significantly important role. And that means, you know, between customer acquisition, retention, I would say those are the biggest sort of rocks of, you know, the marketing um, that I run. Um, I also run customer support, which is sort of the throughput, you know, I look at end-to-end -end customer lifecycle with customer care and support and service and delivery as part of that. And therefore, sort of the three big blocks that form the foundation is obviously the acquisition element, you know, the retention is really big, you know, a lot of tactics and campaigns under retention, you know, sort of addressing different things, and then really a strong bench of customer support um, and customer care um, that I'm really now, you know, building further down with automation and things like that. So that's sort of the look and feel of, you know, broadly where my marketing is today. Got it. All right. So before we get on to the second half of this episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our close friends over at Mattermade. For those of you who don't know them, Mattermade helps some of the fastest growing B2B SaaS companies drive revenue as an extension of their marketing teams. We're talking companies like Dropbox, Calm, Loom, Product Board, and many others who trust Mattermade to help them drive their marketing and demand gen initiatives. You can check out their seemingly endless supply of case studies over at mattermade.co. Now let's get back to the episode. And, and how, I mean, you have the background in B2B, a background in B2C, a background in e-commerce. Do you think that having all of those experiences make you more effective or do you feel as though they're compartmentalized for different times and different places? How, like, how do you feel the confluence of those things works? You know, I, so I have believed, I mean, the reason I probably had that journey is because I believed that taking a leaf out of B2B into B2C or the other direction, or, you know, having a SaaS model and an e-commerce, a B2C or a SMB B2B SaaS model with e-commerce is fairly close, especially if you have, you know, a loyalty base or a recurring kind of a revenue and certain tactics play. So I've always believed in sort of, you know, taking a leaf out of this book to play in here um, and there, so to speak. I do think that there are certain, you know, the lines have merged uh, in a way that, um, 
I do have a confluence. So yes, there's a timing component. Certain things are just not relevant uh, in the e-commerce world today, like they were in my you know, B2B enterprise world perhaps. Um, but there is a confluence and I'll give you an example. We've decided and started to talk about building really a strong community. Again, we have a very good customer um, loyal base. We have a you know repeat purchase rate that's fairly high, and we want to continue to you know sort of take um, uh, our customers, our prospects, and really look at a strong community. And when I say that, you know, I'm a blurb. But I don't actually look at examples or my foundation of building that community with my team is not another blurb e-commerce com- company. I'm actually looking at someone like a Slack. I'm looking at someone like a Salesforce and how their community is running. So do you see sort of, you know, I'm bringing in flavors of, you know, different kind of tactics and campaigns and sort of pulling things here and there. But certainly, you know, largely, I think, um, there is a timing component. There is also a segment component. And there's also, of course, you know, there's a reason B2B and B2C are a little separate. But I tend to mix up the game a little bit more. I like that. So my next question is for some of the more junior leaders listening to this episode who may be, you know, a decade behind you in in their careers, but blazing their own trails and excited to someday end up where you are or somewhere similar. What, and this is kind of like the classic, what what advice would you give, you give to yourself if you're looking back about 10 years based on everything that you've learned and know now, um, um, if you were trying to give yourself like a cheat code? Oh gosh. <laughs> you know, I would say figure out who you are as a leader and as a marketer, right? Because I think we all have our sort of both core competencies and places where our heart goes um, and places where we have tendency to really be strong. I would say figure that out, but then play outside it. You know, try to have your career have shades of things that are outside your natural strong tendencies, unless you hate them too much. You know, of course, you you have to do what you love. Um, I feel like I've done that for myself, but I would have wanted to do that a little bit sooner and more. But I also sort of will say, be deliberate about that. You know, really understand, yes, if you do play outside your natural stance or, you know, really expand that, it does have dangers of dilution, uh, especially in a world where, you know, people will come to you and ask, are you a brand CMO or are you a demand CMO? You know, do you just do SaaS? And if you are someone who likes having a huge stretch and broad base, you will probably have some advantages, but we, you will also get dinged for, you know, you are not in one silo or you're not in one bucket. But I think that would be my sort of, you know, if I were to give any advice, that would be one place is play outside just your natural playground. I love that. And and then as as we begin to wrap it up, you know, you have an incredibly high profile career and I'm sure you're, you're only going to continue to push upward in that direction. Um, what is it that you do to stay sane and find balance? Oh, gosh. So I am, and this was not just um, COVID. I know a lot of people started binging in COVID, but I'm hugely fond of movies and hugely a movie buff. I listen to podcasts about Hollywood and media, you know, pop, the intersection of pop and culture and new forms of media and new things on the horizon 
is really interesting to me. And I feel like it has some play into my work space, even though I don't deliberately bring that in. It's really for my enjoyment. And, you know, I really do that at sort of a global level. Like I watch a lot of things that who's not my native language, you know, uh, or different parts of the world. And connected to that, I really love traveling and, you know, have done significant travel across the world and was lucky enough to also work in different countries. So, you know, sort of some of those loves have come in together. I spent a lot of time media entertainment when I was at Adobe and it really, you know, jived well with me really liking this intersection of design and culture and pop and technology and media and all of that. So, you know, a lot of that, um, a lot of that does keep me sane. Very fun. And now, because you said that, I have to ask, (laughs) selfishly, honestly, because I'm always looking for entertaining new movies to watch. What are like one or two movies that I probably haven't seen that you think are fantastic? You know, I... I am very much into crime okay. and and thriller. I just finished watching The Mayor of Eastwood with Kate Winslet on HBO. Okay. And I thought it was fantastic. Uh, but I'm also a big news junkie. Um, and I'm I'm huge into sort of the international intrigues and politics of it. And I watched the movie called Oslo, which is about the um, peace accord between the Palestinian and the Israelis and how a back channel was set up and how in in the back doors of people being uh, shepherded through secretly, um, the conversation had started. So those are the most recent ones. And I think I have a couple of other new things in my queue, which I will look up this weekend and see what they are. Um, I also love hearing podcasts. So if you are into, um, you know, if you are into this, then there is a podcast called You Must Remember This about different facets of Hollywood. And it's a fantastic podcast um, around a lot of topics that um, you will, you know, a lot of little bit of a deeper insight and look through stories and anecdotes um, around certain people and personalities and color around Hollywood. Wow. Super cool. I, you just <laughs> gave me the ammunition I needed to convince my wife tonight that we should watch Oslo because it's been in my queue for a while. And she's yes. like, ah, but yeah, yes. very cool. Well, Paramita, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you uh, continue to serve as an inspiration for many marketers and leaders out there. So thanks again. You are very kind, Elias. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. 